the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Mm -hmm. And of course, I am joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Well, hello again, Rebecca. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Yes, we are enjoying uh, doing this show together, and we have a very interesting guest that's going to be joining us here today. Uh, A few months ago, we took a closer look at the origins of the Me Too movement as high-profile actors, politicians, and businessmen found themselves in national headlines accused of sexual harassment. And but 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 beyond the headlines, I was actually just going to say, you know, not the least of which was just, you know, Mr. Kavanaugh, our potential Supreme Court nominee uh, was the latest. That now our justice. Be, yes, exactly. The process. Uh, but beyond the headlines, there's a real epidemic of sexual assault taking place right on our nation's college campuses. Consider these statistics. According to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, one in five women and one in 16 men are sexually assaulted while attending college. And according to the U.S. Department of Justice, 90% of campus sexual assaults are by perpetrators that the victim knows. And then in a report by the Medical University of South Carolina, they state that only 12% of college student victims actually report instances of sexual assault to law enforcement. And in an effort to fix the collective failure to address sexual assault, the Obama administration sought to, as former Vice President Joe Biden put it, to eliminate the epidemic of sexual violence on campus. Now, you may remember back in 2011, the Obama administration's Department of Education sent a letter to more than 4,600 colleges outlining steps that all schools would have to address campus sexual assault. Now, while we can all agree that taking aggressive steps to effectually prosecute legitimate cases of campus sexual assault helps create a safe environment for all students to learn on our nation's college campuses, The rules and the directives of the Obama administration's letter to these schools have left a mess of a system that has produced unintended consequences, specifically a destructive attitude about due process and the right to be presumed innocent until Mm -hmm. proven guilty. Yeah, so important. That is such an important piece that is being lost in all of this, as we're going to find. Right. And there just seems to be an increase of, you know, people usurping their authority and their elected position to just go in executive order, this executive order, that. And it's making the rule of law up as people go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the most significant requirement in this letter was for colleges. And in all allegations of sexual assault, 
they were to adopt the lowest possible burden of proof, otherwise known as a preponderance of evidence. And this is a less rigorous standard described as just over a 50% likelihood yeah. of guilt. Which is really quite shocking that, that they would even consider uh, allowing that to be the standard. Right. This you know? new fact comes right. in, or this new allegation, right. rather, it tips the scale yeah. more than likely yeah. you're guilty. Yeah. Again, where's due process? Exactly. And the letter also placed severe restrictions on the ability of the accused to question the account of the accuser. Why? Well, in order to prevent intimidation or trauma. And a single investigator model was also praised by the administration. And this is where the school appoints a staff member acting as a detective, prosecutor, judge, and jury. Hmm. And, of course, this completely compromises the constitutional mandate right. of due process. Right. And, you know, it's shocking to me that this letter would have come from the Obama administration, not in the sense that it's inconsistent necessarily with the Obama administration from that standpoint, right. but the fact that they would so blatantly ignore the constitutional rights of students right. by sending this out is, is, to me, the really surprising piece that they just, well, we'll just ignore the Constitution and... You know, I guess that that's something that they did on other things, too. I right. know that he did that with immigration, and um, that's now still kind of being played out in Absolutely. our country today. Absolutely. I mean, yes, wanting to take steps to eliminate this as an epidemic, but again, we have a rule of law and a process in this country exactly. so that the balance of powers yeah. are not uh, usurped. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe it isn't so bad the, the whole purpose and their point right. and their intention, but to go about their intentions in that regard... Uh, certainly isn't the right way to do it. Absolutely. And the letter also defines sexual violence in which university investigations broadly included rape, sexual assault, sexual battery, and sexual coercion with no definitions provided. Mm. So, again, that leads to a subjective interpretation. So these and many other directives in the letter help create a parallel justice system for sexual assault, all under the support of Title IX. And traditionally, colleges have addressed various forms of sexual misconduct, but they generally deferred to the criminal justice system for the most serious crimes. Now, again, under the Obama directives, colleges were required to conduct their own proceeding for every sexual allegation, even if a police investigation or criminal justice process is underway. Mm -hmm. So how did the Trump administration respond to these directives? Well, according to the New York Times, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos scrapped the Obama-era rules that she said were forcing schools to violate the due process rights of the accused. I would agree with that. Yes. Um, DeVos is preparing new policies on campus sexual misconduct. These policies would enhance the rights of students accused of assault, harassment, or rape, and reduce their liability for institution, or in, in, sorry, reduce the liability for institutions of higher education. Yes. And then the rules narrow the definition of sexual harassment, holding schools accountable only for formal complaints filed through proper authorities. And finally, they would establish a higher legal standard to determine whether schools improperly addressed complaints. Uh, but despite the rollback of these Obama directives, the college campuses across the country continue to suppress the due process rights of students. And um, in studio today is actually one Minnesota college student whose life has been altered forever due to the lack of due process he received. Mm -hmm. In 2017, Kyle Snelson was accused of sexual assault on the campus of Minnesota State Mankato University. He's currently suspended from the school despite the fact he has never been found guilty of any legal wrongdoing. Shocking. 
He is in studio here to share his harrowing experience. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Education Nation. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. You have been through a lot, haven't you, in these last couple of years? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah very much. And we are going to explore that. Um, so you had an encounter with a fellow Minnesota State Mankato student that took place in September of 2016. Um, however, when you first learned of, of these charges against you, you weren't even aware that that encounter was the one that you were being uh, accused of doing something wrong for. Um, so you don't find out anything until it was, I think, December 2017, which is a little more than a full year after the encounter in which you were actually contacted via email, of all things, by the school's interim dean from the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences. So what was your initial reaction of being informed that you were in violation, quote-unquote, of the Title IX policy, and what specific violation of Title IX did the interim dean make you aware of? Well, I was mainly more shocked and confused because uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, Friday night when I found out about it. Uh, I was done checking my emails for the day, and I got a phone call from my parents who have a linked account to my college email. Okay. And they said that I got an email that I violated a policy in their uh, Title IX thing, and it was like very broad, mm-hmm. but... In the end, all that it said was that I was accused of making the campus a hostile place. So that could range from no definition anything from like sexual misconduct. You didn't know anything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I was just very confused and it said that I couldn't be in contact with anybody who was involved and they didn't say anything that who was involved. They didn't give me the name of the accuser. So how do you or, not have contact when you don't even know what you're accused of, A, or who accused you of it, or, or what the who alleged the person, crime was. what the alleged yep. crime even was? Yep, exactly. Wow. So uh, my parents came down that night because I was like, I'm, I'm not even sure if I can play in my house. I have, right. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how frightening. Mm-hmm. That and, must have been so scary for you. Yeah, And they didn't even like give me the date. Of when it happened. Wow. Totally in the dark. So you're just going along your business being a student at Mankato State. You're mm-hmm. in your sophomore year of college and right before Christmas, it sounds like it probably happened. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you find out something. You did something, but you don't know what. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you did wrong. You don't know who you did it to. You don't know what it even entails or who's involved at all. Correct. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So Clearly not due process from the very beginning. Um, Well, upon receiving that email, the school assessed some very severe limitations as to how you could conduct yourself on campus. Can you explain for our listeners what those limitations were? And did the school ever give you the name of your accuser? Well, we kind of know that they Mm -hmm. didn't, at at least initially, but did they ever later down the path? Uh, They never really like went too much into detail on it besides just saying I couldn't be in contact with anybody involved. Okay. Uh, And they kept on reminding me that like, if I did talk to anybody involved, it could be taken as uh, kind of coming back at the accuser. Like intimidation. Yeah. Intimidation Mm -hmm. or uh, just kind of like a revenge thing, I guess. Hmm. And that's very hard to do when you don't, really know who's accusing you or what's going on. Right, right. So. I can't imagine. Did you keep going to class during this time then, or what did you do? No, it was, 
I got the email uh, two days before winter break began. Okay. So it, I just went home. Uh, okay. My last final was online. So Okay. So you just did it from yeah. online. So, okay. But I was just didn't contact anybody from Mankato, didn't talk to my roommates. Yeah. Because you didn't know if they might have been involved with exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How frightening. Mm. Mm. Well, as we know, the school, I mean, it's obvious they were very tight-lipped. It's obvious they weren't working in your favor as they were so just mum on all of the specifics. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you brought forth a complaint in this. And, you know, what was your specific complaint and what was the response of the school's lead Title IX investigators? Well, I contacted them asking, like, what exactly did I do? Right. Because this is a very broad thing to accuse me of. Yeah. And I I have no idea. I called my lawyer right away because I had no idea what the situation was. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just basically resent the same e- email that they sent me the first time and said, we can't tell you the name. It's oh, all anonymous because wow. it was an anonymous accuser. An anonymous accuser that can remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is frightening. No right you to know. defend yourself. No, no. And how how would you even start when right. you don't even know what you're defending yourself against? Right. Yeah. My goodness. I'm sure your attorney had a few things to say about that. Yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> when I first talked to him, he was like, oh, a Title IX thing, huh? Oh, oh. this is going to be tough. Really? So he was he, familiar. He, he's done a few. Really? And uh, he says that it's very uphill uh, because... Apparently, they do have the right within the school's policies to keep things anonymous. Hmm. And it just kind of gets the whole idea of innocent until proven guilty taken away from you. Right. Again, losing your constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just, yeah, it's so wrong. Well, you were listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Our guest is Kyle Snelson, a former student at Minnesota State Mankato, who is sharing his experience of being falsely accused of sexual assault, but more importantly, being deprived of his constitutional rights of due process on mm-hmm. the campus of mm-hmm. Minnesota State Mankato uh, in the last two years. Now, again, all of this is taking place at the end of 2017. It's a little more than a year after the encounter. You're feeling completely blindsided. December, you received this letter. You have a phone meeting and then an in-person meeting with this lead Title IX investigator. From your point of view, can you share what happened in this meeting? What transpired that led you and your attorney to believe that the school already convicted you as guilty and showed zero interest in maintaining your innocence? Yeah, so I got an email to set up a phone interview. Uh, they said I could have a advisor, but the advisor could not speak during that time. Uh, so, of course, I grabbed my lawyer, and we did a phone meeting, and we, during that time, my lawyer and I were trying to figure out, like, did I say something wrong on campus? Did I call a person's shirt funny to yeah. make, like, the campus a hostile environment? Right. And Which was what they said in the original letter, that you were yeah. making the campus a hostile environment, so you were trying to mm-hmm. figure out, what did I do that was hostile? Yeah, and right. I didn't know until exactly what i was accused of until that phone meeting where they said i you've been accused of a sexual assault slash sexual sexual harassment and it was dated september 11th 2016 Mm. 
Hmm. So they did tell and, you the date finally at that yep, point. Yeah, during that phone meeting. So it was maybe two, two and a half weeks after the, uh, the allegations came out. Wow. Hmm. And uh, yeah, and me and my lawyer were both taken back because we had really, why is this coming out now, right. a year later? Right. Yeah. Um, and they, we asked like who the, accused me of it and they said we can't give that to you um and uh they wouldn't let us know anything else really besides the date and that i was being accused and that really gave us no grounds to go off on anything right right. besides like trying to remember where i was a year and a half ago (laughs) right Mm mm-hmm Right. Hmm. Now, with all of this, I mean, you you submitted quite a bit of information to the investigator, and it's very important to note for our listeners to understand you passed a lie detector test. You also passed an alcohol dependency test, and all of your friends' personal testimonies were corroborated. And the lead investigator gave the accuser all of the information that you were submitting and tried convincing you that she was being held to that same standard. Did the investigator allow you to see any of the information that the accuser was submitting? Absolutely none besides a few text messages that weren't even related to the situation that she submitted. And uh, we narrowed it down so we could figure out who it was. And it was my girlfriend currently at that time, but we broke up two weeks later after that. And... Uh, it was just very frustrating in a way because uh, at the in-person meeting is where I got that information. And uh, she was currently dating my roommate at the time. Like She mm. would come over to our house. She would hang out with us. And there was never a problem. Hmm. Uh, and... She, the investigator told me that I was on the same level as her being held to the same standard where, uh, she couldn't talk to anybody involved. And I told the investigator, I was like, she's over at my house every day. She's she's dating my roommate. (laughs) Like I I walk out of my room and I see him in the kitchen. Yeah. Like it, it was just ridiculous because it was very, a one-sided thing. Mm -hmm. And when we explained to her, uh, my lawyer was very heated with his words and, uh, he was basically saying like, this isn't fair. It's not in constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. And she basically all she could rebuttal was Kyle, your advisor can't speak for you at this meeting. Uh, and my response was, well, I'm just going to repeat everything that he's telling me. So, Mm-hmm. So, so in the process of denying you due process, they're not even allowing you to have representation. To speak exactly. On your behalf. Right. And that's what I was going to ask you. Why wouldn't they let your attorney speak for you? I have no idea because... Like, We're vague about it, that too? It might as well just invite some random person to sit in the room. That's basically yeah. what they say. Like, you can have an advisor, but they can't talk. Unbelievable. Wow. So you could talk to your lawyer and then talk to the investigator, but the invest- the investigator could not talk directly to your lawyer. Correct. So if you didn't have a lawyer, what if you were a kid whose parents couldn't afford a lawyer? 
you wouldn't even have had the advice of a lawyer yeah, sitting you next to you. You wouldn't be able to. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, again, this whole concept that, um, you know, obviously you said that your attorney made it very clear that they were violating your constitutional rights, right? And mm-hmm. what was the, he made that clear to the investigator too. What was the mm-hmm. investigator's response when you said, hey, I'm not receiving my constitutional rights here? She kept on saying, I'm sorry, but your advisor can't speak for you. And then in the end, I was pretty fed up with it. And I was like, can I at least like get my stuff out of my house? Yeah. Like, who am I allowed to talk to? Like, please give me some like ground rules specifically on how I can do this. Because the whole letter you sent me is very vague. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I have no idea who I can talk to. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to go like to my class to pick up my grades. Right. And uh, my, she kept on saying like, you just can't speak to anybody involved. And then that's when my lawyer started saying like, can he at least get his bed out of his house? Right. And she was like, I'm not saying that you can't go in your house. And then we kept on saying back. Yeah. Well, it says in the letter, we can't talk to anybody. So, and she said, I'm not saying you can't go in your house. So, Oh, so she never did answer you. Never, she never, never told did. you who you can and cannot speak with. or, um, And yet, if you go into the house and talk to somebody, you might very well have faced more charges for some reason. Yeah. Because you were violating the email that was so vague. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. with, with the blatant disregard for your constitutional rights, it's obvious the school's hiding something here. I mean, Seems that way, doesn't what's it? What's driving it? What's moving mm-hmm. it? I mean, that's something mm-hmm. I feel like I need to investigate mm-hmm. a little more mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's obviously a cover-up of something going on here. Yeah, it appears that way. Well, I was very confused to why, like, it wasn't brought to the county right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was a traumatic experience such as a sexual assault, bring it to the county, not right. to the school. That's right. the well, and that's what we were saying earlier in the show too. That this Obama regulation basically has these kind of parallel investigations going on, right. and they don't even have to get reported anymore to the mm-hmm. police. And that that used to be the right path, and that seems that should be read the, read the right path because you know then you will get your constitutional right. rights to due process to an attorney to be you know uh, innocent until proven guilty, um, yeah. and all of that was being cast aside. Mm-hmm. Well, Kyle, were you ultimately found responsible for sexual misconduct in their eyes? And if not, are there still sanctions in place for you? I was in their eyes. I received a letter in June of that year, uh, about almost exactly six months after I was accused. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they said that uh, I was found guilty in that sense, but... Uh, I was suspended from the school until the fall semester of 2020, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I was just very confused because, I, like you said before, I submitted a chemical dependency test. I submitted a lie detector test. Mm-hmm. I had several friends who were witnesses mm-hmm. on that day send in their testimonies. And it just felt like they kind of just were like, oh, thank you, and threw it in the trash. Like they really weren't interested in hearing the truth or the facts. Mm-hmm. They were more interested in just supporting the supposed victim. Yeah, and with all that, uh, 
they would compile all the evidence I was taking in from both sides and they would give it to a uh, faculty member mm-hmm. to decide the fate of the situation. And it could be anybody on campus. It could be the IT professor. What? It could be the gender studies professor. It could be anybody who has a bias towards anything. It, it wasn't handled by the social behaviors investigator. My goodness. This just seems so incredibly backwards. It does. You know, Absolutely. I um, just perchance met an individual who's an attorney at the University of Minnesota right here in the Twin Cities just a couple of weeks ago. And actually, he is in the Title IX department where he does prosecute, not prosecute, but he investigates these types of allegations. And he was shocked. I told him about Kyle's story. Um, and he was shocked to hear that Kyle was treated this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said at the U, they would never do that, that they do assign you someone to represent you. And you do know who is alleging that you had some type of misconduct and when it was. And they're they're much more interested in due process at the University of Minnesota. And yet I know that this kind of story that Kyle is telling we're hearing stories like this across the country. Absolutely. I know there was just another case like that, I think, out in California not too long ago. And so it seems to be that there's a lot of inconsistency um, right. in, in college, on college campuses as to their treatment of due process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's kind of the luck of the draw. And you were obviously on a campus that, that really disrespected your due process rights. I believe it's uh, The Atlantic. Their website at theatlantic.com has a, a testimony of something very similar of an engineering student at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst who, I mean, his story is like word for word very similar to your experience. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Very sad. You know, your attorney said there's really no winning for someone that's accused of sexual assault. I mean, that's obvious. You can win in terms of trying to clear your name and record. But I mean, then you have to live with it. So what is what has been the physical and the emotional stresses that have incurred throughout this entire process? I mean, has there been any carryover since the case is closed? Uh, not so much since it closed, okay. but during it was just very stressful on me and my family and the few friends that I did tell. Uh, it made me feel like I couldn't go out and like out of my house really because. I I was so scared, basically, mm-hmm. and sure. I like ever since it ended, uh, I haven't heard of anything ever since. But I was waking up every morning from December to June at four three a.m. Mm-hmm. and just couldn't sleep because I didn't know if I was going to call the next day that. They turned it to the county. I was going to jail for something that I have no knowledge of. Of even doing. And, oh. Kyle, I am so glad that you were able to come on to the show today and share this story. And I hope others will really start paying attention to this topic. And, you know, I'm sure you're wondering, you know, will I sue the university or that type of thing? And I wish we had more time to kind of talk more about what your next steps are. Um, but we do wish you the best that you're able to go on yeah. with your life and not have to um, live with this uh, in your mind, in your memory, uh, but you can just put it behind you and move on. 
Um, but we do need to wrap up. Um, I need to make an announcement about an event that we've got coming up at Liberty Classical Academy. So thank you for being here on the show, Kyle. Yes, thank you so much. Um, but before we do end this episode, um, I just want to alert our listeners to an event that will answer the question, why do American students do so poorly in international comparisons? And to answer this question, Liberty Classical Academy of White Bear Lake will be hosting Dr. Mitch Perlstein, the founder and senior fellow of the Center of the American Experiment, on Tuesday, November 13th at 7 p.m. for their Education in Society event. Dr. Perlstein's focus for the evening's discussion will be on the implications in our classroom of various societal and cultural conditions, particularly in the family. The event is free and open to the public, so please join us for this very timely and important discussion. See you next week. Thanks. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.